Thank you, KK. Thank you. Hello, Faith Community Church. Hello. Greetings to those of us who are here in Willerton, those of us who are joining us in City Campus as well as the online campus. Before we begin, why don't we turn to someone next to us and say, get ready for the Word of God. And as Arthur said, we're starting a new series called Miracles of Jesus. In this series, we're gonna explore six different miracles of Jesus in the Gospels. And the overarching question that we're gonna bring to every single one of these miracles is this question, what does this miracle reveal about Jesus? What does this miracle reveal about Jesus? And I'm really excited about this series. I, I believe God is gonna give us a fresh revelation of His Son, Jesus Christ. Someone say amen. And even in my study preparing for today's message, I'm already learning so much. It's one of those sermons where it will be great if you head on to fcc.live and read the sermon notes, check out the sermon notes and track with me as I go through today's sermon. Church, are you ready? All right. Our first miracle of Jesus, also known as Jesus walks on the water. Matthew chapter 14, verse 22 to 33. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. And after he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone and the boat was already a considerable distance from the land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, Jesus said. And then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshiped him saying, truly, you are the son of God. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Holy Spirit, we welcome you into this place to illuminate the son of God, Jesus Christ, to reveal who he is in a fresh, powerful way that will transform our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people say, amen. amen. Let's get into it. The miracle of Jesus walking on the water is actually found in three out of the four gospel books, three out of four. That's how significant the event was in the life and the ministry of Jesus. But only in one gospel, comparatively, only in one gospel, that is the gospel of Matthew here, is it also recorded in the story that Peter walked on the water. So what does this teach us? I believe it teaches us many things, but I wanna raise two things. Number one, Jesus and not Peter is the main point. It's not first and foremost a story about Peter. It's first and foremost a story about Jesus. That's why three out of four gospels has this same story. And if indeed the focus is Jesus and not Peter, then we mustn't be too quick to jump into this story, trying to understand from this story how we can all be like Peter. 
There's so many sermons that I preach on this passage and it talks about how we should all step out of our comfort zones, step out of our boat just like Peter. There are many messages that I preach on this text that say we, we must be people who don't doubt, otherwise we'll be sinking in the sea and in the waves and in the storms of life. All that is true, but first and foremost, Jesus is the main point. It's like traveling to Paris, making it a whole big deal about Peter, it's like traveling to Paris without seeing the Eiffel Tower. You know what I mean? It's like eating sausage rolls without tomato sauce. It's like, it's like going out to order decaf coffee from Holy Ground, sacrilegious. <laughs> it's like listening to this sermon and then quickly falling asleep. Church, the point is, don't miss the point. Jesus is the main point. Someone say amen. amen. But the second thing is this, even though Jesus is the main point, nevertheless, Peter is still a point. There's still something that the Holy Spirit includes in this gospel so that we can understand and learn from it. The big question is, what is it? And this is what we're exploring today's message. Before we get into the proper, I wanna begin with this. It's important that we first recognize this. In the Bible, storms are metaphors for challenging situations in your life and in my life. Storms symbolize challenges in life. Proverbs chapter one, verse 27 says this, when calamity overtakes you like a storm, when disaster sweeps over you like a whirlwind, and when distress and trouble overwhelm you. Storms is one way in which the Bible tells us represents challenges in our lives. So in today's miracle story, we see both Jesus and Peter walking over the storm. And it's an incredible story that will show us how Jesus walks with you and I through the challenges of life. So I'm gonna unpack four things that this miracle reveals about Jesus that will help us to walk through our challenges, no matter what kind of challenges we might be facing or might face in the future. The first one is this. It reveals that Jesus governs our challenges. It begins like this in 22. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. And after he, did, he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Now the setting of this story is Lake Gennesaret, or better known as the Sea of Galilee. It's a sea, it's a water body that is notorious for sudden furious winds and storms. It's also a really big lake. It's not like Lake Jundalup or Bibra Lake. It's 13 kilometers wide. And if you were to travel from one end to the other, it takes about six hours by boat. That's how big it was. And the Bible tells us that Jesus made his disciples get into a boat to cross this big lake. In this introduction, we already see why the disciples were stuck in the storm. And that's because it was all part of Jesus' plan. And verse 23 goes on to say this, later that night, he was there alone, that's Jesus, and the boat was already a considerable distance from the land, buffeted by the waves, because the wind was against it. And shortly before dawn, Jesus went out, into, went out to them walking on the lake. What Matthew is doing here is that he clearly wants us to see the disciples' distress. How do we see that? How do we know that? A few things, and I'll raise them. First, the boat was far away from the land. The Bible says, the boat was far away from the land. Some English translations tells us the boat was in the middle of the sea. 
three hours into the middle of the sea before all these things happened, meaning they were deeply stuck. It's equally hard trying to make it through to the other side and equally hard turning back to go back. Have you ever been in a challenging situation like that in your life? Where it's really hard to go through that challenge, but you're so invested in it, it's been so painful and so long that it's even harder for you to turn back. That's what the disciples found themselves in. They were stuck between a rock and a hard place. Damn if they do, damn if they don't. And the second part is this, the second thing is this, the Greek word for buffeted here is actually the Greek word basanizo, which literally means torture, distress, or harass. Meaning what Jesus sent the disciples into wasn't a leisurely cruise. It's not like a cruise to Japan. It's not like you've got buffet waiting for you in every meal. It's not like you can kick your shoes off at the poolside on the deck as you watch the sunset at the horizon. It's not a leisurely cruise. The Bible says literally it was a torture. That's how hard it was. The third thing is this. The wind and the waves were working against them. And we, we must remember that they didn't have motorboats at the time. It's not like they pulled the back and and then they get to the other side. They were using sailboats, which run on wind and waves. All they could do was count on the wind and the waves, meaning everything that the disciples could count on to go through this storm literally was working against them. Have you ever felt like that? What it feels like everything, everything in the universe is working against you. Like you were hoping for something to come through, but it didn't. You were hoping for some favors, but it didn't. You're hoping for some financial breakthrough, but it didn't. You're hoping for some good relationships to turn well. You, you plan what you were gonna say and you say it and you're hoping for a good response, but it didn't happen. Where everything seems to be working against you. The disciples found themselves in the same boat, literally. And the fourth thing is this. Notice, only at dawn, when the sun was rising, did Jesus go out to them? Meaning, Jesus didn't show up when they needed him most. Isn't that interesting? And even when Jesus showed up, he didn't immediately calm the storm. I'm here, guys. Storm peace. And everything was peaceful. No, he was walking on the water. He knew it was a storm, but he took his time. He was not in a rush to fix their problems. And why was it the case that Jesus is not in a rush? It's because Jesus had a plan and his plan was to send them into a boat, into the storm. Here's what it means for us. Jesus sovereignly uses our challenges for his plans. That's what it means. And brothers and sisters, it doesn't matter what kind of challenges that you're going through right now. It doesn't matter what kind of challenges you will go through. Jesus can use it and can redeem it for his good plan. Someone say amen. Because Jesus governs our challenges. That's what it means. And the second thing that this reveals about Jesus is that Jesus goes through our challenges with us. We read on in verse 26 to 27. When the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. 
So church, the first thing to note is this. The presence of challenges doesn't mean the absence of God. Just because we're going through a challenge today and we're still going through it doesn't mean God is not there. Jesus sent his disciples into the storm. Yes, he did, but he didn't leave them there. He doesn't leave them there. Instead, he walks right into the storm. Why? Because that's the kind of God he is. That's the kind of savior he is. He doesn't leave us where we are. He sees us in our sin, in our muck of life, in all our challenges, in our rebelliousness, in our failures, and he doesn't walk away, but instead he walks right into it. This is the good news. This is the gospel. Philippians chapter two talks about Jesus in six, verse six and eight, and talks about Jesus and he says, who being in the very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used for his own advantage. I'm God, I can do whatever I want. I can stay up here and I can rule and reign over the universe. The word of my power can turn things around. I am God. He didn't do that. Instead, rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. He gave up his godness to become a human and to further humiliate himself. The Bible goes on to say this. And being found in appearance, not just as a man, but he humbled himself by being obedient to death, even death on the cross. Jesus would enter into the sinfulness of humankind and he will walk right, on, right into it and not shy away because that's the kind of God he is. Jesus lived the life we should have lived and died the death we should have died so that we can live the life that he should have been living. The life eternal with God, the Father. That's the good news. Coming back to the story. Notice three times in these two verses, 26 and 27, we hear about the disciples' fear. The Bible says they were terrified. They cried out in fear. Jesus says, don't be afraid. They were afraid. How did Jesus respond to their fear? He didn't say, why you pussycat? Man up, come on, man up. No, Jesus said, take courage. It is I, don't be afraid. Church, the antidote to fear, our fears, is not more courage, it's not more security, it's not even to man up, come on, man up, bro. Rather, the antidote to fear is faith. Faith in what? Faith that Jesus is with us. Take courage, it is I, it is I. Don't be afraid. Isaiah chapter 43, verse one to five, it says this, do not fear, this is God speaking, for I have redeemed you. When you pass through the waters, the storms of life, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers that are surging and running and powering across you, they will not sweep over you. In other translations, this says, they will not overwhelm you. For I am the Lord, your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Do not be afraid, for I am with you. So brothers and sisters, if you're going through some challenges today, God is reminding you and me, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He will never leave you or forsake you. He is here and He is with you. 
Jesus is going through your challenges with you. He's not just governing the challenges. He's going through it with you. Someone say amen to that. So he's governing our challenges. He's going through our challenges with us. And third, Jesus grows us through our challenges. Now I want you to notice how odd, how strange Peter's request to Jesus was. Uh, how, do we, how, how do we often pray when we face a challenge or we meet a problem? How do we come to God in prayer? Lord Jesus, please help me to resolve this problem. Lord Jesus, I need a breakthrough. Lord Jesus, would you change the person's heart? Lord Jesus, would you grant me favor? Lord Jesus, would you help me to pass my exams? We pray like that. We ask God to change our circumstances. But notice Peter didn't pray, Lord, if it's you, calm the storm. Lord, if it's you, let the wind and the waves die down. Rather, in Matthew 14, 28, it reads this. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Instead of asking Jesus to do something about the storm, Peter is asking Jesus to do something in him. Tell me, Jesus, to come to you in the water. Isn't that interesting? Because so often we come to Jesus asking him to change our circumstances. But how many times in the middle of our storm, while we're still going through it, do we ask Jesus, come to him asking him, Lord, change me. Do something about me. Lord, there's something that you are changing and growing in me. Tell me. Church, here's the truth I learned. Jesus is far more interested in changing us than our circumstances. His goal is sometimes to change our circumstances. He does that. He's a miracle working God. Sometimes he does that, but always his goal is to change us. That's what it means for us. And I like how a Japanese writer, Haruki Murakami puts it. When you come out of the storm, you won't be the same person who walked in. That's what the storm is about. That's what the storm is all about. So how does this story reveal to us how Jesus grows us through challenges? Very quickly, just three things. It reveals that Jesus grows our faith. Our faith grows when we go through challenges. Did you realize Peter didn't experience the miracle because he was full of faith? Did you realize that he started walking on the water, not because he was full of faith? How did he pray? Matthew 14, 28, he says, Lord, he acknowledges Jesus, but then the next line, if it is you, Lord, I believe, yes, Lord, but you know what, God, if it's you, I'm not too sure, Jesus, if, if you are you. I'm not too sure if you are who I think you are. I'm not too sure if you are really the son of God. If, 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 notice the big if. Peter had doubts when he called out to Jesus. I like how the Bible scholar, Douglas Hare, he commented on this particular passage. He said, Peter graphically depicts what it means to be a Christian caught midway between faith and doubt. In between faith and doubt. When I was 12 years old, and some of you might have heard this story before because it was a conversion story. I talked about this a few years ago, but it's good to talk about it again. When I was 12 years old, I was coming to the point whereby I grew up in church, but I have never encountered God. So I knew a lot about Jesus, but I didn't know him personally. 
but I went to church because my parents went to church, so I followed them. And during one of those camps, one of those worship sessions in the camps, I was being a rebellious kid, so I didn't really want to have anything to do with Christianity. I wanted to test God was what was happening. So I walked into the worship service really late, halfway through worship, and because the chairs were all you know, filled up and there were pockets of spaces, I didn't want to squeeze between people. So I basically went to the back of the hall and I leaned back on the hall with my pants in my pocket and I look at the lyrics. It was a new song about Jesus's love. And I grew up in a time where we didn't have pro presenters or LED monitors, we used overhead projector. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, all right, my generation and older. <laughs> So one thing about the overhead transparencies, you know, sometimes when they put it there, it's like, okay, bro, your lyrics need to go up higher, bro. Sometimes when they put it there and then it's like flip the other way around, you're trying to read it in mirror image. But it was one of those times where the person did really well. I was really just reading the lyrics, Jesus loves me, da, 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 da. But I didn't know what the song was, so I didn't sing it. And in that moment, I, I, I made a prayer to God. In fact, I made a threat to God. I said, God, you know what? I'm so done with Christianity. If you are real, God, if you are real, show me or I'm out of here. And the moment I ended that line, I didn't even say amen. I didn't even say in Jesus' name, amen. The moment I finished, all of a sudden, I felt a warmth come over my head, down the back of my head, my neck, my shoulders, to the ends of my, my fingers, down my back, all the way to the soles of my feet. It was like someone was wrapping me up with a hot blanket. But there was no one, obviously, because my back was on the wall. And my hands were in my pocket, remember? And then all of a sudden, I felt wind in my pocket around my hands. Don't ask me how it got there, but I felt it. And in that moment, in my shock, I then realized, God is answering my prayer. God is looking at this young, rebellious brat who's coming to him with a threat and saying, if you are real, show me. And God was gracious enough to show me. God was gracious enough to show up. God was gracious enough to work through me between my faith and my doubt. And God came through because that's the kind of God He is. Look at the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ in this story. Matthew 14, 29, Jesus looked at Peter and He says, come, Jesus said, no conditions. No qualifications. Come if you have faith. Come if you believe in me. No qualifications. No requirements at all. Come. What does this mean for us? In some sense, Peter represents all of us. You and I. We're all mixed bags of faith and doubt. Isn't that the case? Sometimes we have faith. When we go through challenges, sometimes we have more doubt. But Jesus gets it. He understands, he empathizes that we're all mixed, mixed bags of faith and doubt. And despite that, he goes, you have a little faith? That's okay. That's enough, that's enough. I can work with that. Come, come. One word from Jesus that day was enough for Peter. Church, I want you to know, one word from Jesus today will be enough for you. What could Jesus be saying to you today through the Holy Spirit? Maybe he's birthing faith in you by asking you, come. You've never received Jesus. You've never been a believer. You're not a Christian. Jesus might be saying, come. 
Maybe he's building faith in you by reminding you of a verse or a Bible passage that you've read when you were younger. Maybe he's touching you even as you're listening to today's message. In any case, he is growing faith in you. I love how Pastor Benny reminded us last week, and I'm gonna read that verse out again. Romans 10, verse 17, in the English Standard Version. So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. All you need, folks, is just one word from Christ today. To have faith, even if you have a little to begin with. So brothers and sisters, when we walk through challenges, hold on to God's word. Hold on to the word of Jesus. Jesus is growing our faith. A second way that Jesus grows us is that he grows our courage. Do you know that Jesus makes you more courageous as you go through your storms in life? So one word from Jesus is done. Peter steps out. Now he's walking on water, insane, never done before. No human can do this, only God can. He's, he's doing the same miracle. He's, he's experiencing the same miracle as Jesus, who is also at this point, don't forget, still walking on the water. But then as he walks towards Jesus, he turns his attention away from Jesus onto something else. And here's what happens in verse 30. But when Peter, when he saw the wind, he saw the wind. I don't know how he sees wind. Maybe he was looking at, you know, a lot of gusts. Maybe like it was on Friday night, wasn't it? When there was a lot of winds and thunders and lightnings. He was afraid and he began to sing, beginning to sing. I want you to notice the sequence Peter didn't sink into the water first and then began to fear for his life. No, he first sank into fear and anxiety and then he started sinking in the water. Church, this is a lesson on discipleship, on following Jesus. You see, the storms of life will come. None of us is exempted from challenges, from pain, from grief. None of us can determine what's gonna to happen to us. But oftentimes it is not the storms, but our fears that sink us. Do you understand what I'm saying? It is our fear, it's, it's, either, it's either our belief in God that He's in control, or our fears that maybe God is not truly and fully in control. It's one of these two things that determine whether we are able to still stay afloat on the water, to still be walking over the storms of life. Do you have the belief that God is in control or are you sinking in fear? For Peter, he started to fear because he started taking his eyes off Jesus and he turned towards the wind and the waves. He turned towards the storms and the challenges. He chose to focus on his challenge. He forgot the fact that Jesus, mind you, at this point was still walking on the water. He forgot the fact that Jesus is still powerful. He's still over the storm, that Jesus is still sovereign. He is still in control. The miracle started with Jesus and will be sustained with Jesus. And he forgot this fact. So brothers and sisters, when we walk through our challenges, how do we grow our courage? Keep our eyes on Jesus. Keep your eyes on Jesus. If you're going through a challenge today, keep your eyes on Jesus. Jesus is growing your courage. And the last thing it grows is in us is strength. Peter shows us how to respond 
when we're going through a challenge, a, 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 a difficult challenge, where we are beginning to sink in fear and challenges. If you're beginning to sink, Peter does this in verse 30. He says, Lord, save me. It's like the psalmist in Psalm 69, verse one and two, he says this, save me, O God, for the waters have come up to my neck. They're literally up to my neck. I'm about to drown. I'm just coming up to gasp for, for wind and for air every now and then, Lord. They're up to my neck. I sink in the miry depths where there is no foothold. I can't even put my foot onto the seabed anymore. I'm trying to stay afloat, Jesus. I'm trying to keep my head above the waters. I have come into the deep waters. The floods engulf me. It's like the psalmist says. But notice how quickly Jesus responds to Lord, save me. In Matthew 14, verse 31, Matthew says this. Immediately, instantaneously, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You know, the way Jesus responded to Peter it's like how an attentive, loving parent responds to their toddler at the playground. Why do I say this? When I was younger, when my young boy was a toddler, we were growing in America, and one of the things he likes to do is to go to the playgrounds. And he was learning to, he was discovering his hands and his feet, you know? He's learning that he could actually coordinate them and do stuff. So he started to walk around, and then all of a sudden, he found, we found him starting to climb the shelves. So we brought him to the playground and we said, okay, you do your thing and then we'll watch you. And then he started to go to one of the walls on the playground, in the playground. And there were holes in the playground for you to put your hand and your feet into. And to my horror, he started to climb the wall. And so as a good loving parent, he's never done that before the first, for the first time. So I, I went behind him and I was like, you sure you really wanna do this? And then he started climbing and I was ready to catch him in case he falls, like every good parent, right? You guys, you would know that. So every good parent will watch the kid climb up. So he will climb up a step, two steps, three steps, and then he will turn behind to know that I'm here behind him. And he will look at me and, in, and he will say, Dada, look it, look it. Which means in toddler speak, daddy, look at me, look at me. Dada, look it, look it. And then he looks at me and then I, in my heart, in that moment, I kid you not, I say, bro, stop. <laughs> stop right here, stop there, don't go any higher. But what came out of my mouth was, yes! Good job, good job. And so he was encouraged, <laughs> much to my horror. And then he started going up more and more, two more steps, and then he looks behind and he say, Dada, you okay, you okay. And then I said, in my heart, once again, I was saying, no, stop, stop, that's enough. You're here, you're up to my face, stop. But then what came out of my mouth was, good job, you go, you go, you go. And then he climbed higher and higher and higher till eventually he made it to the top. And there are moments like this in the playground where I learned something about our Father in heaven. It may be the most challenging thing for you to go through because you've never gone through that in your life. But God is like a loving Father standing behind you, ready to catch you as you start to go up and scale up and discover the strength that you have never had before. God is standing behind you, ready to catch you. And if you're going through some challenges today, call on Jesus, because Jesus is not far from you. Jesus is with you. He's right behind you, ready to catch you. I like how Bernard of Claveau wrote 900 years ago. He's a monk and he wrote this. He says, 
The will of God will never take you where the grace of God will not protect you. The will of God, God's plan and God's will might ask you, might require you, might determine that you go through that, but His grace will never leave you. His grace will always be there to protect you. He's always there, ready to catch you. So church, when we go through our challenges, call out to Jesus. Call out to Him. He's growing your strength as you do so. So Jesus governs our challenges. Jesus goes with us through our challenges. Jesus grows us through our challenges. I leave you with one last thing. Jesus is glorified through our challenge. Now you ask, where do we see this in the story, Pastor Dan? I'll show it to you. Verse 32 to 33. And when they climb into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him. The, the Greek word is proskeneo, which literally means they knelt down and they lay down flat on their face. I don't know how they did it on the boat. Don't ask me, but they did it. Then they all, all 12 of them worshipped him on their faces saying, truly you are the son of God. Church, don't miss this. This is the first time in Matthew's entire gospel that anyone other than God, the father himself, any human being acknowledge Jesus as the Son of God. It's the first time in Matthew where, where some human being realizes this revelation that, oh my gosh, Jesus is the Son of God. It's a huge turning point in the disciples' understanding of who Jesus is. But what had changed for the disciples? Where did this revelation come from? Was it because Jesus is now able to command the wind and the waves? Is it because they saw him stop the wind and the waves in front of their eyes? No, it wasn't. Because Jesus had done that before in Matthew 8, six chapters ago. Matthew 8, 27 tells us this. The men, the disciples, they were amazed after Jesus calmed the storm and asked, what kind of a man is this? What kind of a man is this? What kind of a human is this? What did he have for breakfast that allowed him this? What supplements have, been, have he been taking? Has he been spending time with Pastor Benny? What kind of man is this? That even the wind and the waves, they obey him. They thought he was a man and no more. And before the miracle that we talk about today, Jesus had calmed the storm already. He healed the lepers. He's raised the dead. He's cast out demons. He's done all those kind of miracles already. But the disciples still had no clue who Jesus was going into this miracle. So what is different here? What changed? What happened here that wasn't there before? I'll tell you what it is. Different from all the other miracles that had happened before, this time the disciples caught a glimpse of Jesus in Peter. You see, they've seen Jesus work His miracles and change people's circumstances all the time. They've seen how He had the power to transform circumstances. But the, for the first time, they had the, they had the ability and they had the, they had the chance to witness His power transform them. And when they realized, oh my gosh, the stuff that He did all around us, He can do in my life too? He can change me too? You mean I can even do miracles like Him? You mean I can walk on water like Him? Then they realized this is God. And then they worshiped Him, lay down flat on their faces and say, you are the Son of God. It is as the Apostle Paul wrote in Colossians chapter 1, verse 27. He said to Christians, 
to the church in Colossae. He said, to them, the disciples, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles, the word here is nations, all the nations, the glorious riches of this mystery. What is this mystery? That is Christ in you. Christ in you. Christ in your life. The hope of glory. Church, God has chosen you and me to reveal His glory to the people around us. You ask, how? How do I do that? Christ in you, the hope of glory. God is glorified as we go through our challenges. That's what it means. So what do we learn today? Jesus governs our challenges. Jesus goes through with us through our challenges. Jesus grows us through our challenges. Jesus then is glorified in our challenges. So what do we do when we go through the challenge that allows Jesus to grow us? We hold on to His Word, we keep our eyes on Jesus, and we call out to Him. And that's what we're gonna do for the remainder of today's service. Would you stand with me? I'm gonna pray and then I'll let you know how we're gonna proceed with the ministry time, okay? Let's bow our heads and close our eyes and I'll pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you that despite all our challenges that some of us are going through some extremely painful challenge. Some of us have started a year anticipating challenges. And we know that whether we're going through them today or whether we're gonna go through them tomorrow, we know that you govern our challenges. We know that you do not leave us where we are, but you go through those challenges step by step with us. And not just that, Lord, as we do so, you are growing us in those challenges. Your grace will protect and sustain us. And more than just that, you will glorify yourself as we go through our challenges. So we say, come Lord, let your will be done. We ask Lord that you meet us where we are right now. For my brothers and sisters who are having it tough, God, would you come and show up and glorify yourself in our challenges. Be with us. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people say, Amen. Amen.